this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Woke Bros. I'm your host, Big Waz, alongside my partner in crime, Michael Jamal Brooks. How you doing? Of course, what's up, Mike? Of course, Rob Lopez on the ones and threes. On today's show, we're going to get into, you know, the election out in the UK. Labor kind of took a beating and we're kind of licking our wounds right now, but it's all good. We're going to talk about that. Really quickly, we're going to get into the shenanigans going on in the mainstream corporate media. We're going to explain what the mainstream corporate media is because we kind of throw that term around all the time on the show. But We're going to explain that. Um, And we're just going to talk about the shenanigans as it pertains to the candidacy of one Bernie Sanders of Brooklyn. Um, (laughs) But first, but first, Mike. Hey, man. (laughs) Our two favorite centrist candidates, man, they, they're having a, a rough go of it the past two weeks. Elizabeth Warren, um, her, her her campaign has sort of undergone a quote-unquote reboot, whatever that is. And, you know, you hear this term all the time in, in political um, campaigns and, and, and big elections, like the candidate is emergent, a surgeon, um, you know, they, they, they're ascending or whatever. And then, you know... Uh, inevitably they hit a snag, you know, they see their polling numbers dip. And so of course they panic and try to redo things or whatever. And we see that with Warren. And of course we're seeing that with mayor Pete. Um, he's been, he's been probably the ascending candidate in the field. When you consider Biden came in as a favorite, Bernie came in hot and smoking off the, off the presses because of course he was one of the two main candidates of 2016. And, um, and he he had a base level of support already. And Warren had her surge, right? Like she sort of started off low when she announced the I'm really not that Native American first campaign thing. And then she was ascended. Um, and then she, you know, she saw some success and then she took her first dip. And recently it's been Mayor Pete um, that's been ascending. And now because he's been ascending and like anything else, Mike, he's he's quarter took 
took some took some lumps, right? Um, people coming <laughs> come coming at him because of his uh. Uh, his work with McKinsey, um, um, the consultant firm that he was working on. And people said, hey, man, why don't you let us know the kind of companies you was consulting for and, you know, the type of cost cutting measures and sending people home for no damn reason that you was really doing over there, McKinsey. And um, I, I, for one, am very happy about that. Um, You know, so I, want, I haven't gotten a chance to talk to you about the Mayor Pete Cummins goes. We actually haven't spoken in a couple of weeks here on the Woke Bros. So, you know, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Mayor Pete stuff first. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the thing about Mayor Pete is that in many ways, as far as I'm concerned, he is the worst candidate running for president. And it's not even because, <laughs> like, well, you know, on the dent, whatever, like, still, of course, there's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm no, no, no. We get that. it. Yeah, yeah. We do. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think, you know, because, like, Joe Biden doesn't represent like Joe Biden is a sign of exhaustion, of reg- of resignation, of a, you know, of a certainly, you know, corrupt, you know, just a kind of failure of imagination, a dead process. But there is a way in which, you know, particularly when I talk to people who are not living and breathing this stuff, I, I disagree. I try to persuade them. But I actually understand, you know, the mentality of I just want this fucking criminal out of the White House. And so I think like, yeah, Joe Biden, as I say, is kind of like, you know, it's a failure of imagination. He's obviously a terrible candidate with actually, if you really dig into it, a horrifying record, including through the Obama administration. We need to critically distinguish, I think, what we might think of. President Obama as a man, and you know that's what interesting that, that you raise an interesting idea there. I don't think we've hung the bad parts of Obama's record on Joe Biden's neck because he's done so much crummy shit on his own. Um, yep. We haven't even gotten to you know the atrocities in Yemen and and and, and those type of things. But yeah, go on. Sorry, Mike. I, like that's interesting. Like I haven't even thought about that. Like we haven't even been able to get up to that. We still on the crime bill and the, and right. the bankruptcy and right. your son, the cronyism of your son having a job out in the Ukraine, a cushy job. But like, sorry, Mike. Go ahead. No, no, I agree with you. And oh, of course, interrupt me anytime. But I just think that. Yeah, I mean, well, and 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 all of and the Wall Street stuff. I mean, at some point, we need to critically confront the fact that you know, while President Obama was many things as a leader, as a man, as a family, um, and and as a cultural leader, by which I mean, like the role of the president to set a tone and a direction. Um, these, a lot of these things are obviously very positive about him, but the reality is, is that the record and the ideology behind that record is not good. If you're from, you know, batting from the perspective of greater equity and also really, really digging ourselves out of this crisis, which we're still in. I mean, I think we're, we're still in a world that is born of Iraq and the financial crisis and and all of that. But all of which is to say Pete Buttigieg is so pernicious because he's a young man who should know better, <laughs> who represents all of the worst tendencies 
of this just bloodless, cold capitalism. You know, I mean, McKinsey, and to be clear, like there's nothing, McKinsey, it could be any company, right? I mean, in in this economic system, this is that we have, you're going to have companies like this. They're going to get contracted um, by corporations to essentially figure out how to downscale and fire people, which we now know that that was some of what his advising seems to have been involved with, with Blue Cross, Blue Shield in Michigan. We also know that, you know, it's going to be involved in, you know, McKinsey, not Pete, because he hasn't been there for a while, but they're involved in all the devastation that's happening in Puerto Rico right now. He's also involved, I think, in, in advising a, a, a grocery chain in Canada that ended up getting implicated in a price-fixing scandal. And so you look at this guy and you just realize that he's just a walking resume with no core, no convictions, and no purpose, and all he does except for his own ambition. And so what he does, though, is you know his lane he's decided is the – is the corporate lane and the primary, the the billionaire funder lane. And so he opposes Medicare for all and he's doing all sorts of disingenuous and dishonest attacks on, you know, Sanders college plan as an example. But he, he represents generations defining ideological damage if he, you know, goes further. Um, so that's why I think you know, he's getting such a pushback. I don't know. I mean, not even to mention, of course, his record as the mayor of a little fucking college town is actually really bad. I mean, he's he marries having like he's managing like a little tiny city uh, where it's like on one hand, it's like, OK, you know, you're figuring out like, you know, how to keep the snow plowed in front of the coffee shop type of college town experience. But now you want to be president. And on the other hand, to the extent it's like, no, no, no. He had a real big city mayor record in South Bend by which a racist police department with serious, <laughs> you know, abuse allegations and being a serious gentrifier as well. So, you know, I, he I, I understand why he rubs people the wrong way, because he rubs me the wrong way. And what's frustrating, Mike, for me is is we hear this electability argue, argument being made all the time. Right. And if that's the most important I, and I think and I think it is people's most, especially on the Democratic side, it's like we just want to win so badly. Right. Like we just want to win, which obviously you and I want to win just as bad as everybody else in the party and in the constituency. Uh, but I think people misreading a huge reason why we lost. Right. There's this concept that you hear out there all the time, which you and I are, you know, we, we, we follow politics closely enough to know it's not true and it's bullshit. But this idea of they're all the same Democrat, Republican, they're all the same. There is no actual material difference. They're all the same. At least with this guy, um, you know, re Trump, uh, I got somebody who's outside and at least he's giving me something that I can grab onto, whether it be the racism, the xenophobia, the, you know, anti uh, shipping jobs overseas, whatever. But at least he's giving me something. And I know he's not that he's not of that. Um, Pete Buttigieg is like he actually embodies that they're all the same this shit. Right. Um, when when the when the people in the. Republican primary rejected, you know, low energy Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio and all of these cats. Like, 
I, like from where I sit, I understand it's like those guys are cookie cutter as politicians. They're no different from Mitt Romney, who you promised me was going to beat the black guy and didn't. So why am I going with that again? And they rejected it and they elected Trump. They nominated Trump. The people spoke. They rejected it. They said, we're not going with the same thing again. We're going with something different. Um, Buttigieg in like. It's like, bro, you are exactly the same thing that lost. You right. are exactly the same thing. You come from that same corporate class. You come from that same overeducated class. You are exactly the same thing. He cannot effectively make a different argument than Hillary Clinton could to these exact same people. So yeah. that's what that's what bothers me the most about this dude and his candidacy. And, you know, to a, I think a much lesser extent, Elizabeth Warren. But it's to the but it's kind of the same thing. And we can move over to Elizabeth Warren now um, when you talk about, you know, the work that she did with these rich ass corporate law firms. And she know. But to her credit, she's like, all right, I got to face this shit head on. Right. Like it's being forced on you and she got to face it head on. But it's more of the same idea. It's like, Hillary, how can you talk to me about this? You were just talking to Goldman Sachs. You can't effectively make these arguments to these same people who, again, rejected all these establishment Republicans for the very reason we're, we're tired of that. We're tired. Everybody's tired of it. So the idea that we're going to run out Pete Buttigieg is just it's ludicrous. It's madness to me. The idea that this dude and if what we care about is electability and we know the grounds that we lost on last time that this dude could be the answer. Yeah, I mean, I just can't have that electability. Like, it's nonsense. People, they're all, I mean, it's just full of shit. It's just no, because the truth of the matter is, I say a million, million times. I mean, we all know, look, electability is the exact opposite place of where all of these, you know, centrist types claim to be. And, you know, again, it's like, the, the, a little bit to the right on quote unquote social issues and definitely to the left and populist on economics. So that's the exact opposite of where they want to be, you know? And, and I think, I guess the thing I'd say about Warren, I guess I said, what's that? No, I, I'm laughing because I'm like, wait, no. Nah, and then you're like, no, that's actually the opposite of what these guys want to do. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> that's yeah, why I laughed. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I, I think the thing with Warren, like, I, I'll, look, I'll just say I'll get the usual stuff out of the way because I know that there's some people who are, you know, insanely touchy about defending her. But I'll just say, look, look, yeah, I think it's different. I think her legal work is different than being, a, you know, simply a consultant for like a downsizing consultancy. I think it's different than Hillary Clinton. You know, I mean, look, Hillary Clinton's disgusting, man. We don't <laughs> really got to talk about the Clintons and Epstein. I don't like I can't. I understand that you don't dislike her as much as I do, but I, I just can't do it anymore. Fuck Hillary Clinton. So setting her aside, you know, the only good thing that happened in 2016 is that she isn't president. Right. But <laughs> but um. It, you know, so Warren, so Warren's case is a little bit more complicated. I know that there are people in the legal profession who say, like, no, she's sitting on some fund and helping people, uh, helping a company distribute uh, money to it, or, or you know, something narrow and technical, right? And and my my and and they could be right about some of it. They could be wrong about some of it because it does rely on a very generous, always having a generous interpretation of everything she's done, which I don't have. But that being said. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. 
the bottom line is, is that if you nominate her, you think Donald Trump, like what, oh, what, what, mind, what, what blows my mind about people, like people like, like, no, she didn't get like some people actually so freaking out. Like, yes, she said she was a Native American, but it's been proven that that wasn't part of why she was hired at Harvard. Now, yes, there was a Boston Globe article that pretty, pretty, it doesn't matter. Relevant. Totally irrelevant. Does <laughs> right. not matter. And it also, doesn't matter because so, we know the argument that's going to be made know, against her. So we already know. <laughs> so, so the thing that is amazing about the Warren thing is that first of all, she is. Look, if you're going to say you're progressive and you care about the big things that progressives care about, you got a candidate. You got Bernie Sanders. So that's it. That's a thirty second conversation, right? That's it. And, then, and like the other thing that just really frustrates me about Warren is like you are walking into a dual barrel trap here because it's like on one hand, she's not the progressive choice. She's trying to triangulate and her triangulation between the right wing of the party and the progressive wing of the party gets more and more absurd. That's what this this crazy Rube Goldberg two parts of healthcare plant nonsense. And then on the other hand. It's like, guys, I just it's like I just want to sit down all of these nerdy liberals and say, look, it doesn't fucking matter. Do you think if she didn't pretend or or think or whatever the fuck that she was a Native American until she was in her 50s and participate <laughs> in a fucking cookbook about Native American recipes. And if she didn't advise Dow Chemical on legal settlements and if she didn't do all this shit, Donald Trump would pretend she did anyways. Yeah. And the, and the only way to counter that is either, either, and I'll, I'll be a little bit Generous here. Honestly, Joe Biden, precognitive decline Joe Biden, and this isn't really my shit, but I'm just keeping it real. Him coming out and just being like, yeah, fuck you. That might work. Or just relentless Bernie Sanders style like, oh, yeah, really? OK, whatever you say there, Mr. Mental Health. Anyways, back to my same point about the economy. Elizabeth Warren ha- always uh, she she gets played into a corner to do bad moves politically, whether it's the DNA test or scoring her healthcare plan or anything else. And every single time one of these articles come out, even the people, again, who want to bend over backwards and never have anything critical to say about her and always explain everything away, the one unavoidable fact that you would just have to be totally delusional to not see is that This is a minefield in a general election and a candidate who is not good enough to be able to handle it. I'm sorry. She hasn't shown she hasn't shown the dexterity um, because and and, and the thing is that when people make these. So a lot of times a lot of stuff that gets on my nerves is like, oh, you have to be this. You have to be that. I'm like. Well, technically, you don't like when you say all of these things about the candidate, right? Um, you know h- how they have to express themselves to do that. I'm like, nah, like there's a, there's an example in the White House of everything that you guys are talking about. None of that shit matters. So when they talk about, well, when you actually 
do a nuanced view, a 360 view of what she was doing. It ain't about 360 views in the general election. I'm sorry. Right. It doesn't it doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. It's about sound bites. It's about getting your shit off as effectively and as quickly and as digestible um, a manner as you possibly can. So, again, if Elizabeth Warren was doing the Trump shit, right, which, again, a lot of the Trump shit is so instructive about this, where he's like, look, the reason why I know these guys are corrupt, because I was corrupt. I was working with them. I know the ins and outs of what these guys were doing. They're all full of shit. I gave them all money. I did, like, like, it's this idea of, like, I'm an insider. I know what they're doing, and they're all full of shit. Come with me, kids. Okay? We get that. Like, we saw what he did, and guess what? It was effective to the point where he's he's immune to scandal because he came in saying, look, I'm a dirt bag. It don't matter. I'm not one of these guys trying to lie to you about how perfect I am. If Elizabeth Warren came out and just own it, be like, I've moved on. I'm, I'm, I moved on from that time in my life. I started a communi- um, co- um, consumer um, financial protection bureau. Um, I'm all about the people now. It's all up in my work. When you see me um, re- running as a candidate for Senate, this is what I put front and center, blah, blah, blah. But don't try to pivot and maneuver and get cute. That shit don't work. And quite frankly, I think all of that, uh, I guess you would say apprehension, it shows. Like, you can't fool people when you're apprehensive and you're unsure of yourself and you don't know what to say. Uh, and again, there's like, like, I'm sorry. It, we're, we're just learning the wrong lessons from 2016. And again, I like, I happen to like Warren a lot better than a lot more than Mike does. Um, but then again, that's just my, like my bias towards the, um, the CF, uh, PB. Um, I actually know some people that worked at that shit. Like these people did like incredible work, like put money in real people's pockets and all that stuff. Can I just say though, yes, that was definitely, that was obviously a good initiative and it was good for a time. It's been weaponized under the Trump administration. Oh yeah. But I think to me though, that's so clear about the politics. Like, the only other thing I'll say about Elizabeth Warren, we did we did do a TMBS segment on this, but like she praised Paul Volcker after he died, right? Oh, now everybody God. knows that Paul Volcker, you know, was a someone who was a little who wanted the Volcker rule, who criticized Wall Street, blah blah. But the big picture of Paul Volcker's rule uh, uh, history was that he was the head of the Fed who basically helped wage, like, as you know, just destroy or significantly dent organized labor and workers generally in this country. And I won't go into all the details now here, but to me, that's so perfectly illustrative of Elizabeth Warren. Like you don't have an understanding of power. You don't have an understanding of history. You aren't connected with a broader politics and movement, but you do see the world as, you know, this like kind of club of Ivy league regulators. And that's how you help people. And it's both like, obviously I, disagree ideologically. I think you really need to create power in different sectors of society and have like an actual broader democracy. But I also just think, you know, I, I just I, I would just say to people, you know, who and it's funny because I would I don't hate Elizabeth Warren. I think, you know, I'm just I think she's OK. Whatever. You know, I guess I'm just kind of. Yeah. But I think I think one is like I'm tired of people. You know, a lot of people were gaslighting about her merits relative to Bernie. And then also there is this other weird contingent of people that like demand that you like her. And it's like, yeah, she's OK. Nah. But 
But you the don't truth, like her. No, you don't. And the truth. And here's what I would say beyond all of that. You could think that she's the greatest. You know, she's got all the secret books and the magical regulation formulas and all this shit. <laughs> you have to sit down and take a really hard look at yourself. Look, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm, there's no question I would support Bernie Sanders in every scenario. But if he was not leading Trump in every single general election right. poll, I would have to sit and I would have to really analyze that. Yeah. And so you are promoting somebody who polls very poorly against Donald Trump and you are projecting what you like about her on the rest of the population. And that is almost certainly wrong. Yeah. And again, uh, the idea of a change agent, nobody else can make the argument like nobody like Bernie's the only one who can say I never worked for no corporations. I never took millions of dollars in fees. I never did speak in fees at the banks. I never did none of that. I never fired nobody from their job. Like, I never did any of that. Like, all I ever did was work on behalf of working people. That's all I've been doing my whole life. Like, my resume is my life, bro. You know what I'm saying? Right. And and, and then it's like, it's just a fact. And And it's like, you don't, I did all of that. And you don't need to say, like, no, actually, like, that legal work was actually fine. And go no. read this post that this other law professor wrote explaining it. No. Just enough with the fucking <laughs> Michigas. Just it's, vote. It's like, again Jeez. and again, in a head-to-head matchup, nobody else can go toe-to-toe with Donald Trump in the way that he can because they ain't no rebuttals, my boy. Like, I didn't start a fake college, brother. <laughs> I never stole from working people, brother. Like, Ain't no rebuttals. And, and, you know, and the reason why I'm passionate about this is because, like, again, like, I come at this with an open mind. Like, I wanted to be impressed by Kamala Harris. You know, she reminds me of people that I grew up with, people who inspired me every day. You know, black women who were achievers. Right. That's who she reminds me of. I wanted to be into her. She sucked. I'm sorry. She sucked. You know, like, I wanted to be like, I watched Marianne Williamson on Breakfast Club, and guess what? I didn't know about the the, the self help guru shit. I found her to be a very impressive woman. Like she could speak all of that stuff, but you know, you get down to the nitty gritty. It's like she ain't got it. I wanted to be impressed by all of these people. Now the Delaney's and the you know the other homies. I was just like, ah, right, you you dead in the water. I've kind of hated Cory Booker for close to a decade now, and he was never gonna get no traction with me. But like, I wanted to like these people. I want to be impressed by these people. But the facts remain the facts, right? right. Um, if we're talking about what the current landscape is, it's not '98 no more. Right. Like it's a different time. It's going to take a different type of Democrat to reach people, to move people. I think a huge part of Hillary Clinton that was trash was that not only did she repulse the people on the right, she didn't move people. She couldn't stir people inside to be moved to vote for her in places like Illinois, in places like Michigan. She didn't in places like Wisconsin. She didn't move people. And if you want somebody that's going to move people, it ain't going to be this freaking cookie cutter dude from Indiana, okay, who is supposed to be some radical simply because he's gay. I mean, that's what and that's the thing with um, and I'm just going to complain about our fellow lefties where they where they snitch on themselves. It's just like, 
on the one hand, we want people to understand that gay men and women and lesbians and all are normal people. Obviously, right? right? On the other hand, they want us to believe that Mayor Pete is some, like, fuck everything he's done on his record in all of his jobs. Mayor Pete is some kind of great lefty simply because he's gay. Or even it's just, crazy. I think, I think even, and I think, or what the, what the like corporate neoliberals want is like, you know, while you get downsized or while you, you know, drive your Uber without health care and the oceans rise and there's no strategy for China and Russia and the government or anything else in terms of the global changes happening uh, ecologically and in terms of demographics or trade or anything else. And the government is subcontracting uh, McKinsey to, you know, reduce your benefits, but also like take direct cash transfers to the IRS or whatever other, you know, evil neoliberal Bloomberg schemes they cook up, you know, sit back and like that the president is gay. And, you know, I mean, look, it's important. It matters. But we want to work. Look, it's the difference. Conservatives want capitalism with white supremacy, some version of it at the end of the day. Neoliberals want disgusting, savage capitalism, just like the conservatives, except, you know, with a, a, maybe a touch, touch more, you know, we'll throw a few trinkets to the schools as long as we can privatize them and harass the teachers in terms of their job security and whatever else. But we want, you know, the boardroom to not to be like, just, you know, we need, it needs to be 13% black, needs to be 50% women, whatever. And, you know, look, if the only two choices in the world, if the only two choices in the world are between Pete Buttigieg and Donald Trump, I pick Pete Buttigieg. But I also could tell you we're fucking done. <laughs> like <laughs> we're not going anywhere. We're not surviving as a species. And the quality of life for most people so is going to be horrible. So, you know. Oh, my God. That would be so deflating. But we got to move on. Yeah. We've. we've, yeah. we've we move We've on. dunked on and, and yeah. beat these people up. We put them in they a headlock suck. enough. They suck. <laughs> um, I want you to, because I know this is something that you happen to watch very closely, and it's the mainstream media's. And we're not talk. We're not doing the Sarah Palin lamestream media thing. We're talking about the corporate media: NBC, Universal, CNN. Um, which I I I, I believe CNN is Viacom. Am I making that up? Whatever, but you know what I'm saying. All of the corporate conglomerates, the big companies, ABCs and all of that, their coverage of Bernie Sanders and how, like, it's so slanted, right? Like, they'll talk about, (laughs) they'll refer, for example, you'll watch CNN, they'll refer to a poll that Biden is, like, probably leading, um, he's got, like, say, 25%. Bernie has got, like, 24%. Elizabeth Warren's got like 20 and, and Buttigieg has, has 18. And they'll be like, man, yo, Elizabeth Warren and Buttigieg, they on the come, aren't they? Wow. <laughs> That's so crazy. Oh, there my. Was... And you literally will not say Bernie Sanders' name. I watched no. one thing the other day on MSNBC. Um, Bernie had gained five points in the poll and they just straight got it wrong. They put that he lost five points. I mean, it's like, wild. it's just it's crazy. It's I mean, look, I think we have to be honest about, you know, 
I don't know how you pull this off because it can easily become like conspiratorial or whatever. But the truth of the matter is, is like, yeah, of course, the literal media that is owned by the corporations that might actually have a touch of a little bit of their power take like the only candidate that represents a threat to the ruling class of this society is going to get drowned out. That does not surprise me. Um, and then, of course, when you look at MSNBC and its connections with, you know, the dominant classes in the Democratic Party, it's not even, I mean, it, you know, they have a insane bias against Bernie Sanders that either is ignoring him. And I mean, this is there's just endless examples of this now, right, that he's either or or when they finally begrudgingly admit like the new polls with him leading California, it's always like Biden and Warren have lost support, you know, <laughs> and then somehow, yeah, that's trickle. Like, whereas, of course, if it was literally any other candidate, they would be reporting it as a surge and that they're having a great week and everything else. So is baked into the cake. We know that there's a bias. Um, I definitely think people should read uh, the old uh, Chomsky and Hernstein book from uh, the 80s. I think it's Chomsky and Herman, actually, called Manufacturing Consent, which really gets into how media bias actually works and also like the cultures that produce it. I mean, a lot, I saw this, uh, and I don't think this person is in the media, but it, you know, just some asshole on Twitter, but an asshole on, but an asshole on Twitter that's illustrative. And she was doing this like tweet thread where she was always like, basically like, you know, here's a resume. And it's all like, you know, Bernie Sanders went to college, worked odd jobs, had a kid. And then everybody else is like, road scholar, practice law. And it's like, not only is the person writing this, you know, obviously an asshole and a snob, but it's also just like, I mean, I don't know how it also shows you how stupid these people are in terms of like actually winning, because it's like, even if even if that is your belief, you should at least shut your fucking mouth if you want to beat Donald Trump. Because if you think going out to most normal people and I'm not not to say I think I think people appreciate, you know, they want somebody, you know, people who've done things like, I don't know, be an incredibly successful and high integrity politician who served as a mayor and a congressperson, as a senator, as an example. But um, <laughs> but regardless of that, like. You know, no, I don't think most people are actually like Ivy League snobs who think and, that and like more people's lives are don't. You know what's or, most important yeah. about that? That that these idiots on the left don't realize um, that that term educated used to be used as a blunt object to um, marginalize minorities. Right. Um, it used to be something you because minorities would come in and they'd work like blue collar jobs and all of that shit. Right. Like I ain't come here to do college. I came here to get get a job, put some food on the table, blah, blah, blah. It used to be a bludgeon that they could use against minorities. Once those people that used to love using that bludgeon realized like shit, man, minorities be the most fucking educated people out there. They're done with it. Like they're done with the idea that education matters. Like talk like like you will never ever hear Republican talking in front of their audience about education. Ever. You will never hear them talk about, well, I went to this school. In fact, they try to hide it whenever they are those Ivy League type of cats. That shit is over. 
back when they used to, back when people used to use it, it was just so that they could smear minorities as quote unquote right. uneducated. That shit is done. Get over, get out of here with that. Nobody actually cares about that shit no more. The people who invented it as some kind of qualifier no longer use it. So that's why I know like lefties are so stupid sometimes. Like, shut up about how educated somebody is. Period. Stop it with that. Yeah, I agree. That's that's I agree. And I mean, so, yeah, I mean, basically, the only other thing I'd say is you really I actually was there's a piece in the L.A. Times about the Bernie blackout and alternative media. And it was cool that they mentioned TMBS in it. And so I really do have to just say, like, you have to do things like listen to woke bros and, you know, like you got to have and you have to support alternative media because, I mean, Actually, I'll say real quick, I know we want to talk about the UK. I'll just thread these together because uh, we only have a few minutes left. We'll tease through the results. But I mean, a major reason why the election results were so awful in the UK and their health service and, you know, everything is on the chopping block is that, def- you know, enough of the look, there's a very powerful right wing there. Uh, no question. Uh, Brexit's a complicating factor. But enough of the country just got brainwashed and hoodwinked and bought into the foolishness. I mean, the media bias against Corbyn and labor was systemic. It was relentless. It was ruthless. It came, of course, from the right wing newspapers. But even the BBC really discredited itself in its coverage of of Corbyn. And I I think um, for Bernie and also just in general, like – any type of pro people, pro poor, labor, whatever, you have to have these alternative media because the corporate media is on their terrain. And that's why, you know, you really see like if Bernie Sanders gets the nomination, you will see plenty of people. They might not outright say it. And I'm sure they'll, you know, either Bloomberg will run third party or whatever. But there's going to be plenty of people who've been, who've, you know, compared Trump to Hitler who will still at the end of the day, they would pick Trump over Bernie because, you know, oh, no tax dollars. Oh, no, everybody having good health care. I mean, that's really how deep the rot is. And in the UK, it just wasn't enough time to overcome. So you really got to, among many other things, there needs to be an alternative media infrastructure because the deck is stacked. And you see that in the Bernie coverage. All right, man, now we're going to get into digging in the crates. This is our weekly segment where we recommend a piece of culture, whether it be literature, music, movies, TV, poetry, um, a YouTube clip, whatever. Anything that we see in culture that we think you guys should be checking out, um, we recommend that here. Uh, Today, I want to recommend a piece by a writer named Alex Papadimus. Um, formerly of Grantland. He does work for GQ. He's written at a whole bunch of reputable places. Like he's a dope culture writer. And he wrote a piece this week um, about nerd culture and the dominance of the comic book movies and how the nerds have ultimately won the war, right? Um, And how they've kind of been terrible overlords, honestly. They've been kind of insufferable. But he writes it in a very eloquent, like incredible way um, the name of the piece is called The Whiplash Decade. The decade comic book nerds became our cultural overlords. Um, why do they have to be such sore winners? Um, I just thought it was fantastic. 
fantastic. Um, and he just talked about how, like, you you know, a lot of these guys are worker bees on behalf of the biggest corporations on planet Earth, right? Like, you don't need to sing the praises of Marvel. They're winning everything. We're talking about Disney here. We're talking about the most powerful entertainment company in the world, right? Um, and he just, you know, he just wrote a really dope piece. I know that this is a drum that I'm constantly banging um, both here and on Twitter and in real life. <laughs> um, but I think um, I, I, like it's not just him just like beating up on comic book people. He's he's an incredible writer. And I, and, and, um, I would recommend everybody read that, man. Do you remember when uh, and, you know, whatever, Bill Maher, fuck Bill Maher, sure. But do you remember when he made and I don't even like I'm not even saying he's right. I just remember. This is a guy who's like literally like look up some of the things he said about Palestinians. I'll say when he said like when he made fun of comic book movies after Stan Lee died. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like it was it was that way. And it was I was definitely one of those like that's gangster. Realize you're proving his point. (laughs) Just just meltdown like is Wild, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm surprised you didn't cop that. That's very, very wise material. Um, I'm gonna go check that out now. Actually, hilarious. He did a he did some kind. I don't even you know it was it was some Bill Maher like you know like those are for children. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're just like, Gilda, I can't believe no one has brought more. Stanley did more for people than, than Jonas Salk or whoever it was who created, you, know, uh, you know, like he, he brought more joy to people's lives. You're an asshole. Like it was, it was, it was so extra, dude. <laughs> oh my God, those people got upset. And I do mean those people. <laughs> um, uh, do you have a, do you have a crate yeah uh manufacturing consent political economy of the mass media this is a book that was written by noam chomsky and uh edward s herman and really i mean it basically gives you a great um roadmap for understanding Um, I mean, very specifically the bias against Bernie Sanders, but really how this mainstream media model works in general. Uh, And so I just recommend that. I think that's a really important book for everybody. All right. That's our show, folks. Thank you for listening to Woke Bros here on the Black Opinions Matter Most podcast. Uh, make sure you subscribe and rate, man. We really need that. Make sure you're sharing this. We need we need y'all to be sharing this, telling everybody how great the show is. Um, and we appreciate that. Of course, make sure you become a Patreon member of both TMBS and Counter Dinks. Your contributions help us make the fantastic, you know, type of type of uh uh, content that we put out every week, man. So we thank you guys and we thank our current subscribers for all the support. Um, we've had a dope year here at Count the Dings, and I know TMBS has had record-setting year as well. So, man, we just uh, continue to thank you guys for your support. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, let me just also say yeah, real ahead, quick, uh, links there, February 7th. Come see us, TMBS Live at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Woo! Let's go. Um, so for, for Michael Brooks, I'm Big Waz. Check you guys later. All right. All right, y'all. Great. Later, fellas. All right. Enjoy the weekend.